So we're in a time machine where they don't have batteries or mics. And King Saul has, has been in power. And who came after King Saul? King, King David has been in power. And then David left, and, and now who was, who was in power after David? Solomon was in power. And then after Solomon died, what happened to the kingdom? The kingdom split. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, right? And for the majority of the time, were there good kings or bad kings? Bad kings, rebellious kings. They just, I mean, they would not listen. So right now, that is where we are. Solomon's dead. We have gone through a lot, a lot of different kings. And, and now we have got a king who was ruling over Jerusalem who is not much of a king. As a matter of fact, he's a coward. What does scripture say about cowards? Well, God, God doesn't put a whole lot of identity in cowards, does he? Does he? No. Well, this king, the king we're going to talk about this morning, is a coward. He, he will not stand for Israel. He will not stand and, and fight. He, he, he cowers. And God's got a message for him. But inside that message, there's a message for the Hebrew nation as a whole and for all the world to hear as well. So let's, let's look. It, it, it's, church, it, it's hard to believe that we're already arrived at the first Sunday of December. Look around. Kim, you did a good job again. Kim, did you have any help this year? Did you, Mike, did Mike help you? Did, did, you, did they have to get on the ladder? You did. You got on the ladder? Don't you get on the ladder. But it's hard to believe we're, we're, back, we're back at the, this time of year in, in December. Today, as we look at the beauty of the decorated sanctuary, as we prepare our hearts and our minds to celebrate the birth of our Savior, I want us to try our best, try our best, the best we can, to push away the things of the world and focus on the wonders of Christmas. Can we do that? Can we push away the things of the world? Now, it's different for different people. I mean, some of you have trials, tribulations, troubles, so Michelle, you're going to have to put, give, lose your focus on Georgia during this time, okay? You're just going to have to lose the focus on Georgia. It's got to be on Christmas. Now, I know that Christmas can be, it can be a time of stress, anxiety, and pressure. But if our focus is right, we can experience the absolute wonders that the Christ of Christmas can offer. Christmas is not about gifts that we can afford to give other people. It's all about the gift the world was given. A, a gift that, that we in no way deserved. And yet God saw fit to give it anyway. So please, if you will, for the next few weeks, let's focus on the wonders of Christmas. Let's try. So let's look this morning at Isaiah chapter 10. We're going to start reading in uh, Isaiah chapter 7. We're going to start reading in verse 10. Isaiah 7, <clears throat> verse 10. And Isaiah records, he says, Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, that's the cowardly king. Then he, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, Ask for a sign. 
from the Lord your God, from the depths of Sheol to the heights of heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. Isaiah said, listen, house of David. It is not enough that you try the patience of men. Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father, again, Lord, we come to you asking forgiveness of our sins. Lord, thank you for this day and allowing us to be here. We pray, Lord, that, that you would be with those who are viewing via live stream, those who are out and about, Lord, those who are on vacation, those who are at a funeral. Lord, we pray that you would be with them right now and you'd help them to, to feel your presence. But Lord, those of us who are here, help us to hear a word from you that we might truly experience the wonders of Christmas, God. Your presence with us. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, <clears throat> I want us to take a, just a minute to look at where we are in this scripture. This prophecy that's called the Emmanuel prophecy was given to the Hebrew children in a time when death looked certain for the Hebrew nation. War was looming on what looked like every side, and King Ahaz was a scared little man sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. Chapter 7, verse 2 says this, it says, When it came, became known that the house of David, that Aram had occupied Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the hearts of the people trembled like trees of the forest shaking in the wind. That's, I mean, Stan, I, that, that's pretty, I guess they were pretty scared, wasn't it? Like trees in the forest, shaken by the wind. Any of y'all ever been that scared? They were completely surrounded. There's nothing they could do. Well, there's a lot that they could do, but they didn't do it. Ahaz had secretly made an alliance with the Assyrians, a pagan nation. And by doing so, he put his faith in their protection instead of turning to God. Warden Wearsby says this <clears throat> about what we know in the scripture. He says, in God's eyes, the two threatening kings were nothing but two smoldering stubs of firewood who would be off the scene very soon. They both died two years later. If Ahaz, listen church, if Ahaz had believed God's promise, y'all pay attention to that because that's key to what we're going, where we're going this morning. If, do you see the conditionals right there at the very, if, if Ahaz, all he had to do, Ricky Tyre, was to believe God's promises. If Ahaz would have believed God's promises, he would have broken his alliance with the Assyrians and called the nation to prayer and praise. That's what he should have done. But the king continued in his unbelief. It seems so simple, doesn't it? Why in the world, Bill? The king of, of, of I mean, the king. Not, I mean, the king. Why in the world?
world wouldn't he lead his people into a time of prayer and praise? I mean, that's what you should do when you're completely surrounded, right? I promise you, you come to me with, with something and you, Pastor, I need to talk to you. You know, what, what, what do I need to do? I, I mean, this is happening. My job's at stake. Uh, my, my marriage is at stake. My children are nuts. They're crazy. They're doing this, this, and this. Pastor, I don't know what to do. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to go to the Lord in a time of prayer. And after you pray, you need to praise God. Praise God for what? That he's going to answer your prayer. Well, God, listen, I don't know how he's going to answer it. Yeah, no, you don't know how he's going to answer it. He's going to answer it in his way, in his time. Praise him. Praise him. So what do, what do we see of this Ahaz? And what, what do we see in our scripture this morning? Well, we see in verse 10 and 11 God trying to restore the faith of Ahaz. Now, listen, I, I, I'm going to throw this in here right at the very beginning. Do you realize that God loves you just as much as he loves Ahaz? If your faith is not rock solid, if your faith what it, not, what, what it shouldn't be, God will pursue you and try to restore your faith just as he did Ahaz this morning. So the first thing we see is God trying to restore the faith of this faithless, cowardly king seen in verse 10 and 11. Look, listen to what he says. He says, then the Lord spake again to Ahaz. You know what that means? He, this isn't the first time he's spoken to him. Really? He said, then he spoke to Ahaz again. He, and he says, listen, ask for a sign. Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Your God. God has to remind him, Steve, listen, I'm your God. I am the God of the Hebrew children. Ask for a sign for your, from your God from the depths of Sheol to the heights of the heavens. What we see here this morning, church, is God reaching down to this man, to a man whose faith had somehow been lost to a man who lives amongst the very people of God, who has been taught from an early age of how God created them all from, one, from, from a group of pagan people, how God had provided for his people, how God had protected his people. And this man has no faith at all in God. This is a man who sits in the highest position of the, the people of God created, and yet he has no faith. How can it be? How can it be that he has no faith? You, you know, there's a, a great debate amongst <coughs> political parties and, and people in America, uh, whether it's atheists and Christians. Well, I mean, it, 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 there's so many variables and so many decides. Was America formed as a Christian nation? Bob, I don't know where they get their information from. And, and we had a president, we had a president not too long ago, two presidents ago, and he made this comment many times from the, from the, from the Oval Office. America is not a Christian nation. We are a multi-religious. No, we were founded as a Christian nation. But somehow, some way, America's lost their faith. Well, how is it that you lose your faith? Well, you, you, you remove yourself from God. You distance yourself from God. Now, the closer you are to God, the closer you are with God. Amen? 
and your faith is strong. But if you, if you keep moving away from God and sidestepping and backstepping away from God, you're not going to have the faith that you need. You're going to put your faith in everything and everybody but where it should be, and that's in God. If Ahab, listen, if Ahab, Ahab would only have had rock-solid faith, he would not be cowardly sitting in the, the throne of, of Jerusalem, shaken like the trees when wind blows. Church, we, we need to see that, that even this king's faithless condition, God still tries to restore his faith by telling him. Listen to what he says. He says, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. From the depths of Sheol, from the grave to the highest heaven, God is telling this faithless king, ask, just ask, ask me to show you a sign. Listen, and he doesn't limit it. He said, any sign, anything, and it will be done that your faith may be restored. And you can lead my people in the right direction towards me. Can I tell you that, that God, church, wants to restore your faith if your faith is faltered? Just as he wanted to restore Ahaz's faith, he wants to restore your faith, your, your faith. Except there's a difference. In the days that we live, you don't have to ask God for a sign for your faith to be restored. All you have to do is open your eyes to see what God has already done. You want to see evidence of God? Do you know how it's an absolute miracle that this book still exists? It is. And it's an absolute miracle that you have it in your hands. Do you know what language this is? It's English. Do you know the man who, who transcribed or, or, or he, he took the Bible and, and the Vulgate or, or, or the, 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 the Latin and he translated it into English? Do you know what happened to him? Do you know what his name was? Tyndall. William Tyndall. And this is what they did, Griffin, that they were so enraged with him because he took the Bible and translated it into English for the people to read and to understand. They strangled him to death, took him out, and burned him at the stake. It's a miracle that we have in our possession a Bible. Because since the Bible was written, man has tried to destroy it. Have you ever wondered why you hear of the Christian faith and the Bible attacked over and over and over and over? But we have people in policy who they don't have the same problem with the Quran. They don't have problem with Hindu and Hindu prophecies, do they? Do you know the difference between the two? This is the truth. This is the truth. It's an absolute miracle that we have 
the written word of God. Can, can I give you another illustration or example of how God displays himself and, and does miracles in our presence every single day? Look what Brandy's holding right there. Ricky Tyre, what you were holding a few minutes ago. A baby. A baby, listen, a baby is a miracle from God. They're born every single day. If you work in, a, in a, a, a part of a hospital where babies are born, you get to see the miracle of God every single day. If you're a mother and you have had a baby, you had that child living inside of you for nine months, you, you were allowed to experience the miracle of God in an unbelievable way. We'll talk more about that here in a second. Church, we see the king's response to the Lord's imploring in verse 12. Now remember, Cynthia, God says, look, I, I want to restore your faith. Ask me for anything. Ask me for anything. I I'll prove myself to you. I want to restore your faith. I mean, that's, that's better than the, the, the genie, isn't it? Ask me for anything. Anything. Listen to his response in verse 12. This is great. He says, but Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. I don't get that. We're not talking about, I mean, God is asking us. Just test me. Try me. Try me. Nah, I don't want to. Now, as you look and as you study the characters in, in Scripture, and you, you can see, you, I mean, you can read through a, a, a chapter and you can see, okay, that person doesn't have any faith. Their, their faith is bad. It's, it, it, I don't know that we've ever seen anybody this bad. Not, he knows, hey, kid, did he, he knows his faith is bad, but he was like, I, I, I want to I I restore it. Nah, I don't even want to restore it anymore. I'm, I'm done. I don't want to test the Lord. I, I don't want to do it. All Ahaz had to do was follow what Isaiah had told him to do in verse 9. And this is what he told him in verse 9 prior to what we read. He says this, he says, Ahaz, take heed and be quiet. Take heed and be quiet. That's what we as Christians, some of us need to do. We just need to be quiet. Shh. Just be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. That's what Isaiah told him to do. He says, listen, shh. You ever been around somebody and you're trying to explain something to them, especially teachers? You're trying to explain something to them, and, and they'll ask you a question, and before you can even get the answer, they're, they're trying to answer the question you ask. And Isaiah's looking at him and says, Ahaz, listen, you're the king. I'm trying to help you. Just be quiet. Be quiet. Shh. Shut your mouth. Don't be afraid. Just Listen. Wearsby says this, he says, faith is the only way to find peace 
in the midst of trouble. Did y'all hear that? Faith is the only way to find peace in the midst of trouble. Church Ahaz would not ask for a sign that his faith would be restored. So Isaiah said, okay, hey, listen, you had your chance. You had your opportunity. I wanted you to be the king that you always wanted to be. I wanted your faith to be restored. But since you're such a nut job, I'm going to listen. I'm, I'm going to give you a sign, but it's not going to be just for you. It's not going to be just for you and your faith to be restored. He says, he addressed the whole house of David and gave the prophecy we see this morning concerning Emmanuel. He had his chance. We see in verse 13 that Isaiah is trying to get the people to take their focus off their troubles. He shows them that they have tried the patience of men, other kings, other kingdoms. I mean, they've dropped the ball. They've done things they shouldn't have do. They've aligned themselves with pagan nations. He says, listen, you've tried your patience with men. Do you want to, to, to the, the, and now they want to overthrow this nation. But now, he says, ask them, do you want to try the patience of the Lord? Now, he's not asking just King Ahaz, he says, listen, do you now want to try the patience of the Lord? The king would not ask for a sign that his faith may be restored and that he may lead his people in a time of restoration. So now Isaiah is going to give this sign that they did not ask for, for a sign, a sign that, that will bring hope in the soon coming days of captivity by the Assyrians. What Isaiah is saying to the people of that day is the very same things that our scripture tells us to do in the day that we live. Do not look at your past. Do not look at your present condition. But look at what I promise you is coming in the future. As their hope was in the coming of, uh, soon coming of Jesus, the Christ child, church, our hope is in the coming of the resurrected Christ. That's where our hope is. Our faith can be rock solid in knowing that Jesus is soon coming back to us to take us as his bride. That's where our faith should be. That's where our faith is stronger. What, we, what, what was the prophecy that would bring hope to God's people in the darkest time of history? What was it? What was the prophecy that would bring them such hope when they were in captivity? Well, we read it once, but let's read it again. Look, look, at, look at verse 14. Verse 14 says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Church, think with me here for a second. We're in this time machine. We're right here at this time. And Isaiah has spoken this to the Hebrew children. 
What is so wondrous about this prophecy, you might ask? I mean, I th thank Isaiah, thank you, thank you, thank you. you, you, you every time you come in, into our presence, it's like a breath of fresh air because all you tell us is what we're doing wrong and how God's going to condemn us. But I, yeah, listen, th thank you, Isaiah, thank, thank you but for, for this prophecy here. Well, what's so wondrous about it? What is so wondrous about this prophecy that you've spoken to us? Number one, it was spoken as a promise. As a promise. Listen, I, I might promise you something with all the intentions of getting it done and die before it gets done, and my promise will not ever be fulfilled. But understand something. If God promises you something, it's going to get done. Every single time. This was a promise from God, but it, not a, it was a very unusual promise. Understand this. Isaiah delivered this promise, which was a prophecy, 7 and 734 B.C. 734 B.C. Well, what does that mean, Brother Kyle? The Hebrew children used this prophecy as a cry unto the Lord. How did they cry? Lord, you promised us. You promised us. You, you promised. Y'all ever hear those cries from your children? Look, if you clean your room up, I'll take you to the water park. It used to be when I was a kid. Son, listen, you, you cut the grass and everything's done when I get home. I'll pull you to ski. Okay, let's go. I'd get it done. Dad would come home and it was dark outside. And you know what he'd hear? He'd hear me crying. Where were you at? I did what you asked me to do. I did, I did, I did what you asked me to do, and you didn't come home on time. It didn't, listen, it didn't matter what the excuse was. I, I mean, I was crying because I had a promise, right? The Hebrew children were crying this as a promise to God. They were, cry, they, they were using this as a prayer to God. Lord Jesus, God, well, Lord God in heaven, the God of Almighty, you, you have promised us, and this is our prayer, that you would send your child through a virgin. But it was also, it was a cry, it was a prayer, but it was also a pleading to God. It, it was God spoken at this time and yet unrevealed. They knew it was coming. It just haven't, hadn't been revealed yet. Understand, church, for over 700 years, this prophecy was the eternal hope for the Jewish nation. They knew it was there. They knew it was coming. But it hadn't been, un, hadn't been fulfilled. The, the last thing that's so wondrous about this prophecy, y'all ready? Today it's been fulfilled. It's been fulfilled. The, the Christ of Christmas came. And yet so many of those who use this as a, a prayer and a cry and a plea, they missed, they missed him. Church, do you see how unbelievably impossible this prophecy must have looked to the Hebrew children? But they knew that, that, that it was a promise of God. And if God promised anything in any way, it would come to pass. God saved the world when his child came to this earth. God saved the earth and all its inhabitants. Think with me here for a minute. And, and you will understand the wonder of this Christmas story. Have you ever heard the phrase, a baby changes everything? 
Y'all ever heard that song? A baby changes everything. Well, how does a baby change a person? I mean, some of y'all, 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 I mean, y'all been around babies, but I, I can, can you prove it? Let's spend a little time. Can you prove that to me, Brother Kyle? Well, yeah, listen, here you go, listen. A baby can change your total attitude. It can. It's amazing. When you know that the baby's coming into town, you're filled with anticipation. You do. I remember when Emily, my first child, went off to college, and she would tell us, say, you know, Dad, I'm coming home this weekend. Oh, boy. I mean, it's time to clean her room, time to clean the, 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 the bathroom. It's, it's time to vacuum. It's time to clean up. And, and after I do that, guess what? I, I need to go to the grocery store because I know she likes those, those, those uh, teas, the, the green teas, and, and I need to do this. And I, why? My, because I, my girl is coming home. Oh, boy. But when the grandbaby's coming, it's, it's even intensified even more, isn't it, Carrie? I mean, your heart, listen, when, when, when a baby, it, 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 your heart is filled with anticipation. Do y'all remember when, when your child or your, mother, your, your spouse or your, your child was going into labor? And, and I remember when Amy went into labor for the first time, but when Emily went into labor, she said, all right, guys, it's time. You know, it, it's time. I got on the phone with all the deacons. I said, guys, hey, love you. Got to go. Bye. I'll, I'll try to fill the position. I've been gone. I'm gone. My heart was filled with anticipation for that first grandchild. I mean, that's what a child does. It just fills your heart with anticipation. But listen, it does something else. I'm going to show you. Listen, y'all, y'all, I'm going to open y'all's eyes. I'm going to slap y'all around here for a second. Y'all know, listen, you know what a baby does? A baby will change the way you walk and you talk. What, what in the world are you talking about? What are you talking about? When that baby walks in the house, I don't care whether it's in a stroller, whether, whether it's walking by itself. When that baby comes down the driveway, this is what you do. <laughs> That's what you do, James, right? When that little girl comes to the house, <laughs> I know Sharon's the same way. That's what we do, don't we, Donna? And in 15 minutes, they're on your nerves, and you're just like, all right, it's time to go. But that's what you do. I mean, any other time you'd be just right, like right, right here. You'd be like this, you know. What's up? What's up? What's up? Good, good to see you. I mean, you'd be your normal self. But when that baby comes out, you walk different, but you talk different too. Hey, come here, little baby. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come, come here. Woo! La 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 la. I mean, yeah. Uh, look at you smiling at pop. Yeah, yeah. A baby changes everything. You, 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 your heart's filled with anticipation. You walk different. You talk different, but that's not all. Listen, a baby will change the way you spend your time and your money. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, you're coming over now? Okay, come on, come on. Honey, Emily's coming with the, with the girls. 
What's wrong with you? That's a good idea. I mean, that's wonderful. They're, they're yeah, they're coming. But Georgia and Alabama are playing this weekend. <laughs> well, that, I mean, you can still watch the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I can watch the game. Y'all know what you're doing when the Georgia and Alabama are playing? You on the floor separating blocks. <laughs> you, you are. You changing diapers. You giving a bottle. You, you, I, these are new. You're little puff things that you buy. And little, you giving them puffs. You, you, sing, you singing, talking to them. You supply, that, that's, that's what you're doing. It, it changes your, your time conception and your money conception. It, it's, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, in time when my children were born, and they, they you know, some time they were in high school, the boys would come to me, and every single season they played, we went from football to wrestling to baseball, sometimes track, every single year. And I don't understand something. Somebody please try to explain this to me. Why in the world is one set of cleats not good for all thousand sports? <laughs> well, there's the football cleats. They're not baseball cleats, Dad. Hey, listen, my, my dad said, hey, Merry Christmas. Here's a pair of cleats. Make them last for a year. But with the grandbabies, hey, Dad, listen, uh, we need a stroller. How much is it? $17,000. <laughs> hold, on, hold on a second, baby. Yeah, I can make that happen. <laughs> I, can do, I can do that, baby. Yeah, hey, listen, a baby changes everything. Church, listen, a baby will show you an unconditional love and allow you to love in a way that you have never, ever in your life ever thought you could love. I never thought I would ever love anything any more than I love my wife. And then my Emily was born. And, 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 I, and every, everything... Uh, or, or anyone in my life, my, Emily was born, and then Kyle Jr. was born, and then Alex. I never thought I could love anything more than my wife and my children, then Winnie Kate was born, then Wiley was born, then Chapel, and then Rosier. Y'all ever heard that song? Love lifted me, love lifted me. Hey, listen. A baby is an overflowing well of love that just keeps giving. What am I to do with all this love now, church? What am I to do with all of, all of this love? We need to understand that this love from a baby is a mere reflection of how much God loves us. Trey, you love that little girl? God loves you more, son. Can you explain that? It's the truth. The prophecy of a virgin-born son gave hope. And this actual, his actual birth brought salvation. The wonder of this is that God loves us this much, that he would send his son to us. Now, church, listen to me. Let's go back to the very beginning of the message. I believe God's promise. Do you? I believe God's promise. Can I tell you what we should do right now? 
We should seek him in prayer and a time of praise. Because that's what we were created to do. His love for us restores our faith. Has your faith kind of faltered? If you want to just feel the the wonder of Christmas this year, you've got to let God restore your faith. And he will. He wants to. But you've got to seek him out. You've got to spend time in prayer with him. This morning I want to ask you, do you know my Jesus? You can. Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we thank you for this scripture this morning. We thank you that you gave this word to Isaiah as a promise. It was a promise to them and it's a promise to us, God, of the love that you have for us. Help us to experience your love. Help us to feel your love. Help us to fall on our face before you because of the love you have for us right now this morning. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come and just spend some time at the altar this morning? Will you come?